Well, hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. Whether you are watching in your home with your family, whether you're with friends, neighbors, you're a small group, we pray that you are enjoying community today. If I'm an unfamiliar face to you, my name is Matt Bulkman. My wife, Julie, and I have attended Crossroads for 25 years. I currently serve as our West Campus lead. This is a volunteer role for me. I lead our staff on our West Campus, and I preach periodically, generally around once a month. And I also serve on our lead team. I've been an elder at Crossroads for 15 years, most recently as elder chairman. We transitioned that role to Brian Gower last summer. I love our church. This is a special place for my family and me. I'm also so excited to see how our lead team and our elders have worked together through this season. It's been a challenging season for us as leaders, but God has been so, so faithful. And we're thankful for you as you've walked alongside us. We also are excited about initiating our regathering plan Next weekend, we will have live services on, on June 21st, on Sunday. Our services at Newburgh are going to be at 9, 11, and 5.30. Our services on our West Campus are gonna be at 9 and 11. And now you need to know these services are gonna look very different. We are going to be practicing the social distancing requirements. So we have limited capacity, limited seating, so what we're asking you to do is RSVP, uh, register online. Tell us how many people are coming and which service you're planning on going to. You also need to know we will not have children's programming following the governor's directive, but we will have that great kids, kids uh, programming, that great kids content online. So parents and kids, go ahead and check that out. So if you are much more comfortable uh, worshiping at home or in your small group, we want to encourage you to do that. So do not feel like you have to come to services if that's not something that you're comfortable with. May God bless us this upcoming weekend as we initiate this regathering plan. Well, there could be no better way, in my opinion, to end this series. This is the ninth sermon from our series, Jesus Is. And we close today with Jesus is freedom. We will learn that we have freedom from sin. We have freedom from lies and we have freedom from death. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but there've been times in the last couple of months where I have not felt very free. Sure, things have opened up somewhat in our community of late, but this pandemic has been tough. Personally, I've not been able to hug my dad for the last three months. I worked out of my son Austin's apartment for eight weeks. That was a lot tougher on him than it was on me. And then certainly we've been limited in terms of our abilities to gather uh, in big groups in our community. And to add to all that, to add to all that, more recently over the last several weeks, we have seen considerable social unrest in our community and around the world. Many people in our community feel bound by the prejudices of others. And we want you to know that is not okay. Jesus came to die, not just for per one particular person of skin color or one particular ethnicity. Jesus came to die so that all people, so that all people could have freedom through him.
So if you're like me, freedom has a different meaning to you today than it did just three short months ago. So today we're gonna learn that true freedom, true freedom comes only through Jesus Christ. Now I mentioned earlier that Jesus offers us freedom from lies. I look forward to diving into that point with you in a few minutes. But before we do, I thought it would be fun to play an interactive game. Do you know the game Two Truths and a Lie? I remember playing this game when I was a kid. So the way it works, three statements are made, two are true and one is false. And your job is to guess which one of those statements is false. Satan plays this game with us all the time. And in many cases, it can impact our eternal destiny. So now right now we're gonna be much more lighthearted. So if you are watching live with us or in a watch party at one of our service times, if you could please share in the chat or the comment section, which of the three statements that we're gonna put up on our screen, uh, which one of these is a lie? We're gonna give you some time to do this. Uh, feel free to discuss it among the people that you're with as well. We're gonna have some fun with this. Each of these three statements pertain to one of our lead team members. So check this out, we'll give you 60 seconds. Okay, what do you think? Which one is the lie? Well, actually, it's the second one. Andrew Bondurant's son is not named Adam. Bondo's son is named Abe, and he is a cute little dude. He must have gotten his looks from his mother, Bree. Sorry, Bondo. All right, let's get to our text. We have a lot to cover. Please get your Bibles out or your Bible apps. Grab that journal, have it handy. We got a lot, of, a lot of work to do, a long passage today. Our text is John 8, 31 through 59. So as we pick up the story, Jesus is teaching at a Jewish festival in Jerusalem and the Jewish leaders are questioning him. They're divided over who he is. Many of the Jews dispute his testimony. Jesus is speaking, we see, to a mixture of people here. Some believe in him, some do not believe, and some absolutely have no idea what to believe. So this is much like our culture today, isn't it? So in verses 31 through 41, we learn that we have freedom from sin through the truth of Jesus. Jesus says you are held captive to your own sin unless you believe in the truth of Jesus. Do you feel constrained by a specific sin in your life? Are you having trouble breaking free have you considered the truth of Jesus's words? Jesus is freedom. 
Verse 31, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, other translations say, if you continue in my word, or if you abide in my word, you are really my disciples. And we're gonna find out here shortly that these are not true believers. These are not true disciples that Jesus is speaking to. And we're reminded of Jesus' teaching from Matthew 7. Remember that parable, the wise and the foolish builders? The wise man built his house on the rock. And when the storms came, that house was solid. It withstood the storms. But the foolish man built his house on the sand. And when those storms came, the house crashed into the sea. True disciples build their foundation on the rock. And Jesus Christ is that rock. Jesus says in verse 32, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free or the truth will make you free. And our minds immediately recall a political campaign slogan or something written on an academic institution when we hear this verse. Well, Jesus is not talking about political freedom or academic freedom. Jesus is talking specifically about freedom from sin. The Jews here think that Jesus is talking about political freedom. So in verse 33, the Jews answered him, we are Abraham's descendants or we are Abraham's offspring and we have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? <laughs> what? Really, the Old Testament tells of the Jews' bondage to the Egyptians, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, and the Syrians, not to mention the fact that in the days of Jesus, the Jews were suppressed by the Romans. These Jews are in denial. The Apostle Paul writes about this as well in Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Let's pause for a moment here. John and Paul both use the word slaves and slavery here in these passages. This imagery may seem a little raw to you. It may seem a little disturbing. I know it does for me. Racial tension is not unique to our culture. Racial tension existed in the Old Testament times. It existed in the days of Jesus. Jesus continually stressed in his teaching that our spiritual heritage as God's children is something that's available to all people. Why is that? Because God loves the entire world and God loves and desires all people to follow his son, Jesus. So we need to remember that. Verse 34, 34, let's go on. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, or truly, truly, I tell you, what scholars call the double amen. This is the third, or this is the first of three times that Jesus is going to use this phrase in this passage. Truly, truly, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Paul refers to believers as children. We see in Romans 8, 17. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, excuse me, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. While those in servitude often lived with their families, they could not, they could be sold or they could be released. But a true son had rights. A true son receives an inheritance. 
Jesus goes on in verse 37. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet Jesus says, you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word or you have no place for my word. Jesus knows they are not true believing Jews because they're trying to kill him. Verse 38, Jesus says, I am telling you what I have seen in my father's presence and you are doing what you have heard from your father. So who is Jesus referring to as their father? Well, stay tuned. We're going to find out. The Jews reply in verse 39, Abraham is our father. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. Jesus alludes to truth here in this passage. And when he does, he's referring to the entirety of his teaching, all that he taught. Jesus hears from God. And think about it, that had to really bristle the Jews. Verse 41, you are doing the works of your own father, Jesus tells them, the Jews respond, we are not illegitimate children. They say, we are not born out of sexual immorality. We are not born out of fornication. And this is probably a reference to the questions that were swirling around at this time about the virgin birth of Jesus. This is probably a not so subtle slap against Jesus. Verse 41 goes on, the only father we have is God himself. The Jews say, they want Jesus to know, if you hear from God, we do too. He is our father too. So we can see the conflict is rising as we move to this next section of scripture. In verses 42 through 47, we learn we have freedom from lies through belonging to God's family. The devil or Satan is the father of lies. He tries to convince you of things about yourself which are simply not true. If you belong to God's family, it is his voice you hear, not the voice of Satan. So what lie has the devil convinced you of that you need freedom from? Do you feel entrapped by this lie? Would you like to be a part of God's family? Well, Jesus is freedom. We pick up in verse 42. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me for I have come here from God. I've not come on my own. God sent me. True children of God would love his son. And Jesus is emphasizing here his unbreakable, umbilical cord connection that he has with God, his father. Jesus is the sent one. He is sent to save us from sin and from lies and from death. Verse 43, why is this language not clear to you? Jesus says, or in other words, why don't you understand me? Because you are unable to hear what I say. It seems Jesus could be speaking directly now to the Jewish leaders. So throughout the gospel accounts, we know that the Jewish leaders just don't get it. They don't understand. Their hearts are hardened. In verse 44, finally, Jesus reveals their true ancestry. They are not from God. Rather, they are from the devil. Jesus says in verse 44, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. Wow. Jesus is coming after them here. My kids would say Jesus is coming at their top. Jesus describes their father, the devil. Verse 44 goes on. He was a murderer from the beginning. When Jesus refers to the devil as a murderer, he's probably referring 
to the fall of, Ab the fall of Adam, and Lee Adam and Eve uh, in Genesis 3. It was probably there where through temptation, Satan brought death to all of humankind. So that's probably what Jesus is referring to. Jesus continues, the devil was a murderer, not holding to the truth for there's no truth in him. When he lies, when the devil lies, he speaks his native language or he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and he is the father of lies. Let's face it, friends, Satan hates the truth. And since the Jews are not accepting the truth that Jesus is teaching and, and they're trying to kill him, they are doing the will of the devil. They're not doing the will of Abraham. They're not doing the will of God. Satan has deceived the Jews here. And unfortunately, he can deceive you and me as well. Verse 45, Jesus says, yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Now, clearly the Jews consider Jesus a sinner. So Jesus says, okay, which one of you is gonna convict me of sin? I've not sinned. I am perfect. I am holy. Sin is not a part of my character. Sin is not a part of my nature. I do not lie like your father, the devil. Then in verse 47, Jesus describes how to suppress the lies and how to gain freedom from the lies of Satan. What do you do? Well, you listen to God and you become a part of his family. Verse 47, Jesus says, whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Now, this can be hard, hard teaching. Not everyone is a part of God's family. Sure, everyone is given the opportunity to be a part of God's family, but one has to accept this theology of universalism, the belief that all humankind will eventually be saved, it is simply a lie from Satan. You must belong to God to be saved. Famous Bible commentator J. Vernon McGee claims, the universal fatherhood of God and the universal brotherhood of man has brought us into a lot of trouble. The Bible does not teach the universal fatherhood of God and the universal brotherhood of man. Jesus says also that we are to listen to him. And we're reminded of John 10, where the sheep hear the voice of the gatekeeper. They hear the, hear the voice of the shepherd. And the sheep follow that voice because they know it. Jesus says in John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The truth of Jesus should drown out the lies of Satan in our lives. Now I wanna ask you, what lies from the devil are you believing? We're gonna do a little exercise here. Grab your journal, grab a piece of paper. Go ahead and get that out. Two columns, put lies on the left-hand column and put truth on the right-hand column. We're gonna give you some time now and throughout the rest of this week to ask the Lord to reveal to you what lies you might be believing about yourself. Then what I want you to do is look up in your Bible, look up in your Bible app. Maybe you could even Google what the truth of Scripture says about that particular lie. So I encourage you to share this with your family, with your small group, with your friends. For instance, you may believe that you are unloved. So you put unloved in that column on the left and then look up and see how the Scripture completely <laughs> disagrees. 
Please take 90 seconds and do this exercise now. That's a great exercise. I pray that 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 exercise helps you learn to live and love like Jesus. Well, now we're going to close out our passage. Verses 48 through 59, we're going to learn that we have freedom from death through the identity of Jesus. The Jews are putting some serious heat on Jesus here. Jesus claims he is the son of God. He claims he is deity. He says those who obey his word will never see death. Let me ask you, do you fear death? Do you have faith that you are going going to go to heaven when you die? Do you truly believe, do you truly believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Jesus is freedom. Verse 48, the Jews answered him, aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and that you are demon possessed or literally that you have a demon Now, these are two serious, serious charges by the Jews. Jews hated Samaritans. This is the only time in Scripture where Jesus is accused of being a Samaritan. On the other hand, the Jews claim several times that Jesus must have a demon. And that's due mainly to the fact that he often performs miracles. Verse 49, Jesus says, I am not, (laughs) I am not possessed by a demon, but I honor my father and you, you dishonor me. Jesus lived in a shame and honor culture. So by disrespecting Jesus, they were actually disrespecting God, his father. Verse 50, I am not seeking the glory for myself, Jesus says, but there is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Jesus shows his humility. His testimony is from the Father. His glory is from the Father. His authority is from the Father. His approval is from the Father. His Father's opinion is all that matters to him. Now, in verse 51, Jesus lays down a bold, bold statement. He says, very truly, 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 I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. John connects obedience to faith with this claim from the mouth of Jesus. 
Now, Jesus is referring to the gift of eternal life here in this passage. Jesus powerfully says, obey and you will live. Verse 52, at this, the Jews exclaimed, now we know that you are demon possessed. Abraham died and so did the prophets. Yet you say that whoever obeys your word will never taste death. The Jews completely missed the point. They're clearly referring to physical death, not the spiritual death of a person. We're gonna see that they revere Abraham and the prophets also. Verse 53, are you greater than our father Abraham? They say, he died and so did the prophets. And we're reminded in this passage of how the Samaritan woman asked Jesus from John 4, 12, are you greater than our father Jacob? Like the Samaritan woman, the Jews are expecting, no, no, I'm not greater than Abraham, but <laughs> that's not the answer that they're gonna get from Jesus. Then they asked Jesus, as verse 53 goes on, who do you think you are? A better translation is probably, who do you pretend to be or who do you claim to be? They're lobbing a softball into Jesus here and Jesus is about to knock it out of the park. Verse 54, Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father who you claim as your God is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you, but I know him and I obey his word. Jesus basically says, not only is your father a liar, but you are a liar too. <laughs> true believers know God and true believers obey God. Verse 56, Jesus says, your father Abraham, Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and he was glad. Now scholars have a whole lot to say about verse 56. This could be an allusion to Abraham rejoicing over the birth of Isaac in Genesis 17, 17. You might remember that was the onset of the promise that through Abraham, all nations would be blessed. My day here could refer to the day of the Lord, the end times when Jesus comes again in glory. Also, the Jewish tradition held that Abraham could see into the future so there's a whole lot packed into verse 56. Then the Jews respond to Jesus in verse 57. You are not yet 50 years old, they said to him, and you have seen Abraham? <laughs> now we know from Luke 3.23 that Jesus was probably in his early 30s when this event occurred. This could be a reference by the Jews that Jesus had not yet reached what they call the age of Jubilee or his first Jubilee, which happens when a, when a person turns 50 years old. And I can relate. I just turned 51 last Sunday. So this age holds significance for the Jews. And now Jesus has this mic drop moment. I believe this is the climax of our passage. Truly, truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Better rendering is probably before Abraham was I am. Jesus does not say before Abraham was, I was. Jesus says before Abraham was, I am. Jesus is present. Jesus is eternal. Jesus is preexistent. Our minds go to John 1, 1 through 2. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. 
This is also a clear reference to Exodus 3.14, where God tells Moses at the burning bush, I am who I am. The Jews knew it. The Jews knew he was referring to the Jewish Yahweh. He was referring to God himself. Jesus is claiming he's God. He's claiming equality with God. And let me tell you, that did not make the Jews happy. Verse 59, we close out our passage. At this, the Jews picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. The Jews here believe that he has committed blasphemy. Jesus has committed blasphemy by that comment, and they attempt to stone him. That's the appropriate Old Testament penalty for this sin. But this was not Jesus' appointed time, so he escapes unharmed. Kenneth Barker writes in the NIV Study Bible, I love this, when Jesus declares, I am, there are only two possible responses, to reach for a rock or to fall at his feet. Unfortunately, his enemies chose the former. So I ask you, friends, which will you choose? Will you reach for a rock or will you fall at the feet of Jesus? Jesus is freedom. We can have freedom from sin through the truth of Jesus. We can have freedom from lies through belonging to God's family. We can have freedom from death through the identity of Jesus. This has been a great series, church family. Jesus is. Let's put each of these sermon titles for the last nine weeks up on our screen there, please. I want to give you the opportunity as I close to reflect on our sermon series. You can write in your journal if you like or write on a sheet of paper. After the last nine weeks, who is Jesus to you now? What part of Jesus's identity resonates most with you? How is this identity of Jesus Jesus helping you live and love like him? I'm gonna close in prayer. And then Aslan is going to close out our service and you'll have uh, the opportunity to see those questions on the screen. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. Jesus is life. Jesus is provider. Jesus is present. He is enough. He is the only way. He is life-giving. Jesus is full of grace. He's full of the light. And Jesus is freedom. God, speak to us now. Reveal Jesus to us. What part of his identity resonates most with us? And may we use this identity of Jesus to help us live and love like him. Thank you, Lord, for this great sermon series that you've given us. May God bless Crossroads in Jesus' name. Amen.